So, my good friend, Zach Powers, took me, he took me, because he paid for my ticket, uh, to, uh, to see the Dead and Company at the Hollywood Bowl, and... I've like I like Dave Matthews band like I don't uh, when people talk about jam bands I think I like them I think jam bands are cool I like the idea of a jam band because when I hear someone say jam band I think of Dave Matthews band and them playing ants go marching and then I think of um, Dave Matthews interludes like they're that band the interludes they do in their songs so when I think jam band. I hear ants go ants go marching. I think it's ants go marching. It might be ants marching. But I hear ants go marching, and then I hear just an interlude in the middle of the song where they just jam for five minutes. And what I think Dave Matthews Band does well about jam bands is they somebody holds it down. Every most of the band holds it down. Everyone's holding it down. They'll be doing like a 4-4 time on the drums and the bass player will be playing the same riff and he'll be going in the same key and he'll let the guitar play around. He'll let like both guitars play around. So the bass and the drums will hold it down. They're like, okay, we'll play, we'll riff out in this key at this tempo and you guys do your thing. And I like that. But the Dead and Company, what they do is... Everyone plays, everyone jams, everyone does their own thing. So they all, they all kind of, it's like, it's, it's jazz. It's improvised blues, but it's jazz. So they're all kind of stay. It's funny because they all end up looking at each other like, like staring at each other to like use their body language to come up with a song. And in my opinion, they'll jam for a long time. I felt like. The Grateful Dead played three songs, and the rest of it was improv improvisational. And it's funny because they're all looking at each other like, I want to jam. You follow me. You follow the way I jam. You give me what I want, and I'll jam. But in reality, they're all like, I'm going to jam. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to do what I want to do. And everyone's doing what they want to do. So this is my opinion. I think the Grateful Dead's jams, or the Dead and Company's jams, all sound the same. It all sounds the same. It all kinds of, it sounds like a bunch of guys trying to make music with whatever they want to do, trying to meet in the middle. It reminds me of people trying to have a conversation, but everyone's trying to have a conversation about the thing that they want to talk about. So... Everyone's constantly, if someone wants to talk about politics, someone's always trying to like bring it back around to politics. Maybe if you're like at a conversation with my dad, maybe someone's trying to talk about food and my dad's trying to bring it around to like religion and spirituality and God. But there's no conclusive conversation because nobody's there to collaborate. They're there to say what, talk about what they want to talk about. That's what it, that's what it felt like to me. Um, so I learned about the different kinds of jam bands there are in jam sessions you can have because if I'm doing if I'm in a jam session I I try to figure out what's my role in this jam session typically if you're in a jam session you got to take turns you got to learn when it's your turn to play you need to know okay I'm just gonna be holding it down on oh, my my light went out 
I'm just gonna be holding it down. I'm just gonna be keeping the rhythm. I'm just gonna be doing my thing. I'm gonna let this guy do whatever he wants. He can play on top of whatever I'm doing. And then when it's your moment, when it's like, all right, now it's your turn to really, now you're the jam shaman. Now you can go, then you can go. So it was interesting like what I was expecting and what they were doing. And I think, my opinion, I like music that's um, predetermined, I think. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a total vibe. Yeah, in hindsight, now I'm thinking about the bands I like, the music I like listening to, the things I like. I like sing-along. I like sing-along music. I like sing-along music. I like knowing where it's going. I like small deviations from the original song, but that's that's about it. But it was cool. It was a lot of fun. The parking lot, everyone was filling up uh, nitrous oxide. They were doing whippets in the, in the parking lot with like big balloons. And I told my dad, because my dad would always tell the story about how we, I had to pee or something, and they ended up at Soldier Field in a deadhead parking lot, and everyone tried to help him out and stuff, and try to get me to a place where I could take him. That's like the story of my life is looking for a place to piss. I feel like I never truly get engaged in anything in my life too deeply, because I always have to pee in the middle of it. Um, but my dad recalled condoms being filled up. My dad's probably one of the only people that's going to listen to this, but... My dad recalled when we were looking for a restroom for me, when I was a child, I must have been four, I don't remember this, that we went to a deadhead parking lot and there were condoms, blown up condoms, which when I was at the dead company with my friend Zach who hooked me up, uh, we had a good time, but there were no condoms, they were just balloons filled with nitrous oxide that you could buy for $5. And my dad's like, yeah, they had filled up with condoms. And I'm like, are you sure they just weren't, like, balloons? And he's like, no, they were condoms. And I was like, okay, I guess you, all right. Because you know what it is when you see one. Um, but that's just, like, funny. And also, it's like, what does he know about condoms, you know? But I didn't, I don't want to know what my father knows about condoms. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was a good time. It was fun to watch musicians play it was inspiring i didn't really feel i felt like they were good it was good enough that sometimes you watch a musician that's so good i listen to this band polyphia sometimes i watch this guy tim henson's videos and um it's it's it gets to the point where you're like i can't be that i will never be that I will never be able to play guitar like that. I can't do it, and I, and I know I never will. I don't have the dedication, but it's great to watch someone that is, truly makes you see what humans are capable of, and almost in disbelief. Because I think about this all the time. I think about Tommy Caldwell. If you ever watched the documentary, The Don Wall, dude loses his finger. He loses his finger, The doc. he's a rock climber. Like one of the best rock climbers and the doctor says well, you'll never be able to climb a rock again That's not in the cards for you. You're missing your goddamn index finger. So that's not happening for you You can't climb rocks anymore comes back climbs rocks He's never climbed before is a way significantly better rock climber than he's ever been Without with missing one finger and it it's truly inspiring to me because it makes you realize Whatever it is that you think you can't do you can do I don't know. I, I personally believe that. 
you think, well, I can't do that. Is that out of the cards? I think you can. I think it can be done one way or another. I think the the will uh, willpower is. Um, and why not? Why not try to? Why not try to do things you think are impossible? Wow, I sound like fucking Gary V. But nevertheless, also like. I stopped playing guitar for a really long time because there was part of me that was, I thought, okay, well, I can't be that good. I don't have the talent or the dedication to be that good. That's not in the cards for me, but maybe there is some other thing I can do really well. But now I feel like I'm coming back to all those things later in life now and I'm deciding maybe I can. Maybe I can do those things. Maybe I can surf. Maybe I can be an exceptional guitar player. Maybe I can lose weight. Maybe I can be faster than I ever thought I could be. Maybe I can be flexible. I didn't think I was flexible for a very long time. Maybe I can learn Spanish. Maybe these are things I can do. Maybe all those times where I said, well, that's not for me. Maybe I'm interested in something else. I'm saying, why not you? In in reality, I realize I'm like, those are things I'm capable of. All those other things I thought I could do exceptionally well before, maybe I'm. it was because I was too lazy to actually put time and effort into being good at something. Now I'm realizing I'm like, oh, I can be good at guitar. I can, I can actually play guitar very well, but it takes time, it takes focus. That's one thing I don't really think a lot of people think about is you can practice guitar for three hours a day. You can, and you probably won't be that much better, but are you practicing the guitar with, <laughs> gotta slow down. Are you practicing the guitar with intention? Are you practicing the guitar and focusing on the things that you're struggling with and then actually analyzing, why am I struggling with this? Why is this finger position difficult? Why am I have a hard time why am I having a hard time finger picking this? Why am I cheating and using this finger to do that because it slows me down on this? To actually analyze the thing you're struggling at, that's what's difficult. Playing the guitar over and over again is pretty simple. It's pretty easy, and it's pretty fun, because you can learn enough to play a song you like, it can be pretty fun. But to actually sit down and figure out why you're not that good or why you can't play a certain thing is the difficult part. Um, but that's the truly fulfilling part, when you do realize, that's why I can't do that. I can't do it because I've been doing this. And if I can correct this, it's really breaking down the thing you want to learn into smaller chunks and figuring out where the failure is happening. And that's so not fun. It's like the least fun thing you can do is figure out what you're really bad at. Figure out the nuance of the thing that you're bad at and then try to figure it out and correct it and do it better. That's the challenge. But that, now that I'm older and I have patience, and I'm, to be quite honest, I'm a little bored. I'm a little bored, so now I'm like, oh, I'm bored, what am I gonna do? Oh, all the stuff that I put off when I was younger and thought that I had more fun, exciting things to do. Now I don't. I don't. I don't have more fun, exciting things to do. Now I can get into the nitty gritty of the nuance of the things that I'm not good at. I hope this light turns out okay. Um, I was out, I was out surfing. This was a couple weeks ago. I was at El Porto, which is North Manhattan Beach. Not the, it's not my favorite place to surf because it's the only place in LA, well, it's not, it's Manhattan Beach, but in LA County, that's like a good surf spot. That's not Malibu. So there's always tons of people. Parking's really bad. 
and the waves aren't the best, but there's always tons of people there. The waves were big that day. I think I caught one wave, two, maybe one or two, but, and I'm out, the waves were big too. They were like big dumpers. And I just, there was this guy, I was probably the least experienced person out there, but, and I think this guy knew. So I'm waiting for my like, I'm waiting, I'm like waiting for something that's never gonna come. I'm waiting for like the last wave that's gonna take me in. And I had kind of caught, I'd caught one right before that. And this guy, come, this guy like surfs over to me. He's like, hey, saw you catch that. Saw, saw you catch that last one. And I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, you know, I tried to get up on, I, I was kind of embarrassed because I think when he saw me catch it, I don't think it was particularly graceful. So I think when he saw me catch it, he saw, he was like, oh, that guy's pretty new. <laughs> that guy's not great, you know? That wave's way too big for him, but he did catch it, so I'm, I'm gonna encourage him. So. He says that to me, he's like, hey, I saw you catch that. That was pretty, and I'm like, yeah, thanks. Like, <laughs> thank you. And I, then I have to like, come up with an excuse. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I got up on my knee at first because I'm, I'm, I was a little bit slow. Like, I couldn't just take the compliment from this more experienced server. I was just, it was just funny just being bashful. I just, I, basically, I just said, thank you, thank you, and I, I probably, my face, the thing is, my face doesn't blush. I get really red in the face. I feel the blood rush to my face when I get embarrassed, when I get self-conscious, but my face actually doesn't get red, which is pretty nice. But if he would have seen my face get red, I would have gotten real, I would just, I would have blushed when he said that. But, um, yeah, that's another, that's, that's another thing I've had to, another point. <laughs> One thing surfing has done well for me is getting rid of uh, being proud of things because you have to fail. You have to fail and you have to fail uh, miserably, embarrassingly. So you only surf a couple amount of times where you're actually concerned about the way you look when you're on a surfboard and the way you appear. First you're like, oh, I kind of want to be cool. I kind of want to look experienced. Then you get to a point where you're like, I can't. I'm not experienced. I don't care if I look experienced because it takes too much energy to try to maintain an appearance that I actually know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to fail and fail hard every time. So once you let go of the ego of, I want to actually kind of seem like an athletic person out here, it's over. Then you can go leaps and bounds and be a lot faster and, you know, your paddling will get better, your balance will get better when you stop caring if you fail. Because, I mean, even now, I would have moments, I mean, not now, but when I first started serving, I would pop out if I did, like if I missed a wave or I didn't get up on it, I would almost feel the need, if someone saw me or was near me, I would feel the need to explain myself and say, oh yeah, I didn't, I, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't, you know, I got up on my back foot, but I slipped a little bit. And they don't care. They don't give a fuck. They probably didn't even see me. They didn't even notice that I'm out there. They're not. Wa they're watching for their wave to come in. But I felt the need to be. I'm like, yeah, I'll get the. Next I know what I did wrong. I think part of it is me anticipating them saying, you know how you fucked that up, sir, um, which does sometimes happens and is always helpful. It's always helpful. That's one thing I've noticed is like the mansplanation. If a ma if a guy comes over to mansplain me, if he asks. Hey, can I 
can I offer a suggestion? Or if he says, hey, can I want to tell you, and he just starts telling me, he's going to tell me something good, and it's going to be helpful, and I'm going to appreciate it. I have the initial, I used to have the initial reaction where I'm like, this guy thinks he knows. He probably does, and everything has been super helpful. So, I always take everything with a grain of salt, and I always pay attention to who's giving me the tip, but typically if a guy's out there surfing and he has something to say to me, I'm going to take it. Because he probably just saw me do whatever I just did, and if it wasn't good, he's going to tell me what's up. So, I've uh, I've learned to embrace the mansplanation or the unsolicited advice. I'm like, take, I'll take it, man. What do you got? What do you got to tell me? I'm in. I'm interested. I want to hear what you have to say. I hope this light's okay. I'm kind of bummed that it... Let's see if we can adjust it. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? But let's see what I have. Uh, oh, okay. All right. This is one thing. This is one thing I've learned in life. I used to. I would live my life. I would have big opinions about everything. I would see something. I'd see a movie, or I'd. I'd hear music or I'd see a TikTok or anything. I had to have the biggest, most extreme opinion. I used to say, if someone's like, is that movie good? I would say, that movie is good. That is a great movie. And if someone was like, I actually didn't enjoy it. Well, I'm like, well, then you're wrong. You didn't, you are wrong. You're wrong about that. You're dumb. You're incorrect about that because it was a good movie and you don't like it. So you're dumb. So I've gotten in the practice of when someone, when I do see a movie or you know, watch a stand-up special or something and someone asks me my opinion of it, I don't say, it is good. I don't say, it is bad. I just say, I enjoyed it. Because I think that's the way to express yourself is to say, I enjoy this. So if someone says, oh, I don't enjoy it, then it's like, well, then that's fine. Well, what didn't you enjoy about it? But for so long, I have no idea why I did this. I have no idea. Am I, I've, I'm, I'm not sure, but I always felt the need to have an extreme opinion on everything. To say if it was just totally binary, one or zero, good or bad. But now I'm like, who get, like, I feel, I, I think it frustrates me when I watch a movie and I like the beginning, but I don't like the ending because I don't know how to express that. Now I'm like, just say, just say that you didn't like the beginning and you liked the ending. Say that. Just say that. People will understand. So, I just always had this thing where I have to say, that album's bad, that album's good. I can speak my mind. Like, I can have a very nuanced opinion. I don't have to say everything's bad, everything's good. And also, the way I feel about everything is the correct way to feel about something. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know why people hung out with me, to be honest. I don't know why people spend time with me. I must have been just such an annoying person to listen to. This guy thinks he knows. He thinks he knows the correct answer to whether the movie was good or if the movie was bad. And also, it's like not great. It's like, honestly, if someone has a very extreme opinion about something, more than likely, it's some sort of attachment to their ego. Um, having this sense of objectivity about a piece of art is somehow attached to them or some sort of emotional reaction within them. So a nuanced opinion is significantly more interesting because it's probably honest. It's probably the way they actually felt about the movie. And also it means that they're open to someone else's interpretation of the movie rather than defending their point of view, which is kind of, it's so crazy that, that I had this idea that I need to defend my point of view on a movie. I don't. I don't need to defend my point of view on a movie. No one does. It's stupid. If someone says, oh, I need to, you didn't like that movie? Well, defend yourself. 
No, I don't have to defend myself that I liked that Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. I thought it was cool. I don't like Star Wars. I enjoyed that movie. That movie changed my life. I thought it was good. Um, and you can't take that away from me. You can't take away the fact that that movie changed my life. So, um, and I could also understand someone could watch that movie and say, I really didn't like it and it didn't change my life. And quite honestly, I don't understand how it could have changed yours. I'll say, okay, well, let me, let me explain to you. Um, why I felt like it changed my life. But yeah, I think more than anything, just articulating the way I feel about something or the way I'm experiencing something and not, I, uh, I would just like lie to myself all the time. I don't know why I would do this. I would lie to myself and then Consequentially, I would have to lie to other people. I don't know why I would do this. I have no idea. But I'm done. I have no idea why I was doing it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, what else do we have? Oh, man. Okay, so I was thinking about forgiving and forgetting. And it's funny. We talk about that. It was like a sentiment like you forgive, but you can't forget. Like I've forgiven you, and now I'm going to forget. I actually am like... I'm actually of the opinion that like forgive it and forget is to literally forget. It's for it to like not cross your mind anymore. Cause that's the thing people are like, oh I do forgive you. But then they remember. They still remember. When they when they encounter a lot of situations, they're like, Oh, I still remember I still remember the time you wronged me. And I can't forget it. I think like true forgiveness is to actually be like, Oh, I forgot. Oh, if someone like uh, let's see, if someone doesn't, you're like, okay, I arrive in Chicago. I arrive in Chicago, and my dad says, I'm gonna pick you up in Chicago, son. I'm gonna pick you up. I'm gonna pick you up at Millennium Station, and we're gonna drive the fuck back to the house. I'm gonna be like, all right, dad, I'll be here. And I show up, and dad, this isn't a real story. I show up, and dad's not there, and dad says, oh, my bad. I'm, I forgot, or I didn't want to come pick you up, so figure out your stuff. And then the next time I, and I'm, you know, whatever, and he feels real bad, come around a couple months later, he's like, I'm very sorry, please forgive me. And I say, I forgive you, dad. The following, the following year when he says, I'm going to pick you up, right at Millennium Station, it's going to be great, we're going to drive home together. For me to actually have forgiven him, I'm going to have to say, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, I'll see you there. But for me to be like, well, last time he didn't, so I know I can't count on him. I don't think it's actual, like, it's forgiveness, but it's also like, I still remember. I still remember, so I think true forgiveness is, true forgiveness is actually recognizing someone's remorse and saying, okay, you actually are remorseful and you've tried to rectify the situation. You literally do forget. So for me to hold on to that and be like, I can't count on you, I don't think I've actually forgiven. Um, or maybe they're two separate things. Maybe they're two separate. Maybe forgiving is for you to say, um, I'm no longer emotionally affected by the fact that you've wronged me, but I'm still not counting on you to pick me up from the train station. But personally, I think what it is to forgive is to actually be like, oh, I forgot about that. I've like fully, I've fully emotionally moved on from that so far that I truly, it doesn't come up in my memory. I think that's what I think. I don't know. I could be I could be wrong. Uh, what else have I What else have I done? 
recently. I went to the Clipper game with my friend, and I was going to get a Michelob Ultra, like a big can of Michelob Ultra. It's like $15, $17, I don't know, something crazy for a can of Michelob Ultra. And this lady at the stand, I'm like, they have Michelob Ultras that are sticking out of the ice area. There's like ice and then there's ones that are sitting in. So the ones to the left are like sitting deep in ice. The entire can is touching ice. That's the one you want. You want the coldest possible can. So the lady comes over and she like pulls one out that's like half, half in the ice. And she's like, oh, all right, $17. And I was like, oh, can I please get that one? Can I get please get one from that side? And she's like, oh, they're all the same. They're all the same. And I was like, yeah, I would like, I would like that one because it's completely submerged. And another lady, see, she's like, okay, yeah, she grabs it. She's like, and then the, then the same lady that's ringing me up, she's like, they're all the same. It's all the same can. And I'm like, I haven't given my card yet. I'm like, I want that can. Like, I don't, and she's like, they're all the same. And then the, finally the lady brings it over and I'm like, all right, there it is. And I, then I pay for it. And she's like, ah, oh, they're, she's like, wants me to have this can. But it's, it's funny when, it's, it's an interesting thing when people think that they can, they think they can will you. They're like, just take the can. What's it to her? The other lady brought over the can. The other lady brought over a different can. She didn't have to go get it. But it was funny to her. She was like, you're going to get the can that I gave you. I'm like, listen, lady, I have my card and I haven't scanned it yet. I will walk over there and buy a Michelob Ultra from that stand. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. It's a Michelob Ultra and I want it to be cold. And she's just like, well, you're going to buy this can. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I just won't. I just will not buy I want that can it was just so funny because she was just she just she was so frustrated that I would not buy the can that she had retrieved from me oh it was so it was so funny um I don't know what's going through I don't know I hope she's doing all right I hope she's doing well I still tipped still tipped I tipped a I tipped one dollar on a 17 dollar can of I think it was 17. $17 can of Michelob Ultra, which feels weird because it's like a $17 bill and you tip a dollar. Feels wrong. I guess you really don't have to tip at all, but I don't know. I still did. I still felt. That's actually, um, man, I was thinking about, oh, okay. So when I was in Chicago, I've already talked about being in Chicago, but we were on a boat. We were on like doing an architecture tour in Chicago with me and my friends. And I ordered, I order a lot of beer on, I order expensive tourist beers a lot. Expensive, I think it was a Michelob Ultra too. So, I ordered this Michelob Ultra on this boat. And I asked the guy, I'm like, can you throw, I'm like, oh, can you throw a lime in there? Because I like lime in my beer. And he, okay, this was crazy. This man was wild. He looks at me, he's like... He, gra he slowly, I mean, it's a long line. He slowly grabs a lime and throws it in the beer. Throws it. Throws it in the beer. And I was like, thank you. And I still, I still tipped. Um, and I felt really good about that. Because I still was like, I don't, I'm trying to explain why I felt good. Because 
like why he did that, I don't know. Why it frustrated him, maybe I was buying a cheap beer and now I wanted more and that frustrated him. But to just still be like, I'm still going to tip you what I was going to tip you. I don't know what's going on with you, but I need you to know, I hope you're doing okay. Um, and I'm not a f hurt by the fact that you have some sort of ill will toward me. I'm still going to tip you. Hope you're doing all well. Doing all well. But that was something I think would have fucked with me before. I would have been mad or been like, well, I'm not going to tip you. And then I would have gone, drank my beer, sat, and been like mad at the guy, like thinking about that interaction and what happened. Now I don't do that anymore. I'm like, here's your dollar. I have my beer. I have my lime. My life is good. The way, what I left this stand, this beer stand. What I left this beer stand with, what I wanted, what I wanted from this beer stand, I got. Did I get a weird interaction too? Yeah, but I'm gonna be honest, I don't really care. I'm 32, I don't care about weird interactions anymore. I don't care about things being socially awkward. Honestly, I think socially awkward moments are the really only true moments you have. I think about dates that I've been on, like good dates aren't that great because it means you're both successfully being inauthentic. You're both like, performing your first date selves in a very great way that seems like you're very simpatico and you're having a really great time. Honestly, I think the best dates are the awkward dates, the very clunky, weird dates, because you have these moments of like true honesty where things aren't going well and you're both having this very human experience of having an awkward conversation. I feel like there's definitely a far more intimate connection there when two people are just kind of being honest and kind of, it's not flowing. So I don't know, sometimes I, I really do enjoy those dates where I'm like, you know, this isn't going, this isn't like going well anyway, so I feel like I can kind of be myself more because I feel like I'm not trying to maintain this weird streak of positive, positive dialogue. Like I don't care. I'm like, this date's already kind of gone to hell, so I feel like I can kind of be, who I actually am, and I can be more forthright with what I'm saying. So, all that being said, like I don't fear awkward situations. I like embrace an awkward situation because it's a moment of honesty. When you're having an awkward moment, it's because someone said something true. Um, and most of the time, <laughs> social interactions, we try to avoid saying things that are true that might hurt someone or make someone feel uncomfortable or expose some insecurity about a person who cares don't be that person if you're like don't don't hide your insecurities try to embrace them if someone has a critique on you then just be like yeah i get maybe that's something to consider maybe they're right and if they are right have a laugh because it doesn't really matter i don't think or it doesn't or it's an opportunity to recognize that someone sees a flaw in you and then correct it or have a laugh about it i think that's really I think that's really the truth. So it's funny, these things that people, people want to get a reaction. The guy throwing the lime into my beer, he wanted a reaction. He wanted me to know, hey, I think you're a cheapskate, or I think you're giving me, like, I think you're difficult. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I guess I am difficult in this situation. I guess I'm not the ideal patron because I'm asking for a little more than I should. I guess not. I still got the lime in the beer though, so thanks. Here's your dollar. Who cares? And he probably was like, you know, he was probably, probably chilled him out. I'm not going to give you your negative energy back. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy to give you. 
Um, actually, I do have the energy to give you. I just, I'm just not going to. Um, so I'm done with that. I'm done with like just trying to give people the smoke they ask for. Like I'm done. I'm just not getting mad anymore. Because anytime I do get mad, I try to think about why I'm mad. It's usually because I'm not, like I said, I'm not accepting some sort of responsibility in the situation that's making me mad. Because if I did, I probably wouldn't care because it's someone else's burden to bear, personally. Um, also with, I mean, I think about this with, um, maybe I'm just regurgitating the same points. But with anxiety, I'm like, I don't, I don't get anxious about the same things. I Usually I would get anxious, to, anxious about being destitute, being unloved, having nothing... Um, not being able to handle certain circumstances that come my way. But now, I've, and I, I think I would often try to handle that with money. With money and um, being a people pleaser and trying to validate my friendships by making sure all my friends, you know, I was in good standing with them. But now, I've realized that there's no amount of money. The money doesn't really affect me that much anymore. Also, like, I don't really care because I've been broke before. That was a thought I had. I'm like, well, I've been broke. I've been, that's fine. I've been broke. I've been broke. And then I've become not broke. I've done it before. I can do it again. And there's no amount of money that I can save up and have to make me feel like I'll never be broke again. Because you can always potentially be broke. But do you have the confidence to say, I've been broke. I cannot be broke again. So that's something I think I've said in a previous podcast if you do listen to the show. But, um... Oh, the other thing is, okay, so I like kind of, yeah, kind of recently got got dumped, but I thought about this because you have moments when you get dumped or you're in a situation you think, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do this? Why wasn't I more... Uh, emotionally vulnerable, what if I would have done this for them, what if I would have said this, what if I would express myself in this way, what if I would have done that, rather than say like, what if, like, why didn't, why didn't, or really the question is like, oh, why didn't I do this for her, why didn't I do this thing, why didn't I express myself, why didn't, because you've, you've lost it, at this point you've lost it, so you're kind of wondering, well, I wouldn't have lost it if I'd done these things, but what you should think is, I didn't do those things. There was a reason I didn't do those things, right? So you look back and you're like, why didn't I do those things? And then if you think about it, you're like, oh, that's why I didn't do those things. I wasn't doing those things because I wasn't inclined to do them. I didn't have the compulsion to actually go and, you know, be emotionally vulnerable or say things like this or commit or do anything like that. There was a reason I didn't do it because I didn't want to at the time. So when you look back on it, you're like, oh, I lost that. And then you're like, oh, I could have not lost it had I done those things, but in reality, had you done those things, you would have been acting against your gut and your you would have been being inauthentic. So you think back on those things, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I buy this girl flowers? You didn't buy the flowers because that's not what you did. You weren't compelled to buy the flowers. So I think with a lot of the regrets and the things I had in my life where I'm like, oh, why didn't I try harder at that job? Why didn't I go to, why didn't I sign up for that class? Why didn't I do this? And then you look back on it and you're like, oh, there there are reasons. There are reasons I didn't do that. I didn't just not do it. I didn't just not go for it. There were reasons I didn't do it, whether it was just because I didn't have the interest or the passion. If I would have signed up for the class, I wouldn't have had the interest and compassion to like, or interest and passion to actually follow through with it and be good and pass the class. So when I look back on the on regrets, when you look back on regrets, 
Don't look back at regrets because there were reasons you didn't do the thing. You can't look back at the situation and be like, wow, with the knowledge I have now. Also, with the knowledge you have now, you, me, I don't have the knowledge that I had then. I look back on the situation, I'm like, wow, with the knowledge I have now, I could have saved that situation. But at the same time, right now, looking back at the situation, I don't have the knowledge that I was had when I was in the situation because I was in the situation and there's no way I can put myself back into that emotional context to look back at it and say, oh, I would have done things differently. Like you wouldn't have. For whatever reason, you made the decision you made and that's okay. That's you. That's the past you and that's you. So forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for whatever decisions you made. Um, but yeah, don't hold anything against yourself. Obviously don't hold anything against anyone else, but don't hold anything against yourself. You're you. You're making the best decisions you can at any point in time. So be, be good to yourself and, um, let yourself off the hook if you have, you know, emotional reactions, um, and understand why you have them and life becomes a lot simple, simpler. Um, but I was thinking about, I was laying in bed, I was doing a breathing exercise and I was thinking about this. I thought, well, if everyone is extremely compassionate and considerate, um, and looks out for their neighbors, but also empathizes with their neighbors when their neighbor doesn't look out for them, I was like, I think life would actually be pretty fucking boring. You know, I was like, man, if everyone is like all zen out and is compassionate and actually understands everyone else's decisions and is very forgiving and, uh, like there are no people like losing their shit and being angry and letting their emotions get out of control. Life would be pretty boring. So I don't really know what the answer is. I know for me though, I'm kind of done getting angry with people, being upset with people. Um, also feeling like I need to care what other people think about me or think about whether people think I'm virtuous or righteous or in, or a good person at all, that's a dangerous thing. Because that's one thing I have realized is like, I don't care if people, I didn't, for a long time I didn't think of people, I didn't think if people cared if, if they thought I was cool. Now I'm like, I don't even care if people think I'm a good person. I think I'm a good person. That's all that matters to me. So people can't wield, um, moral superior moral superiority over me they can't say well you then you're not a good person i'm like well then i'm not in your eyes then i'm not that doesn't i don't owe you an explanation i don't need to justify to you why i'm not a good person you've made your decision and to you i'm part of the problem and uh it doesn't upset me so um yeah so when someone does try to you don't have to react. You don't have to, if someone says you're a bad person, you don't have to look at them and say, well, no, you're the bad person actually in this situation. You can just say, okay, well, I didn't, I'm, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to be a bad person, but this is the decision I made. Um, you don't have to care. You don't have to care about anything. Who? Um, yeah, but I think that's all. I don't even know. I mean, the light's so fucking bad. Look how terrible this is. Now that's good. Lighting things is tough. Lighting a green screen is hard. Forgive me. Um, yeah, I think that's all.